And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we've already experienced a sermon lesson this morning, haven't we? I'm telling you. Galatians 6.10 says, As we have opportunity, let us do good to all, but especially to those of the household of faith. And so that occurred here this morning. And this going to fit into our message this morning because we're going to talk about stewardship today. If it would, take your Bibles and turn to Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39. We're studying the life of Joseph. And this is be the fourth of nine messages, of nine tests that Joseph went through. I don't know if you know this or not, but Joseph's life from the time he was 17 years old to 110 years old takes up one-third of the book of Genesis. So God deemed his life important. He really did. But I want to, us to, I want to emphasize us over and over that when we read these stories in the Old Testament, that they are written, they, they have truths. Now, you, you, if you read the, the story, it, it's passionate, it's full of some drama, you know, it's, it's beautiful. But if you read it and, as that and say, oh, what a good, wonderful story, That's, you've missed it. Because our apostle said that all these things in the Old Testament stories is a pattern an example are written for our admonition to whom the ends of the earth is come. So what we have to do when we read that story, we got to seek, knock, and see spiritual truth. It's, these stories conceal truth in the Old Testament, but revealed in the New Testament. And that's the way we got to approach this. And I tell you, when you start studying the Bible like that, you're going to see Jesus in the Old Testament in every story somewhere. Somewhere, and it, the book will come alive in your, in your hand when you start looking and seeking. So, well, so it's concealed, and what we're going to do is just examine this physical story this morning in Genesis uh, chapter 39, a little episode. It's only six, we're going to look at about six verses this morning, and then we're going to try to look for those truths, all right? That we might apply it to our lives. They're there. And so we gotta we gotta find them. All right, in Genesis 39, let's begin and, and read verse 1. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt. Now remember now he's been sold as a slave, right? And he's he's been he was put in a pit. And uh, he's separated from his father. He's just a 17-year-old boy. And, uh, and in that pit, his life was changed, drastically changed. And uh, we know that, that in that pit, his pride that he had, and he had a lot of pride, he wore that coat of many colors in front of his brothers. And he always, he was a tattletale. He went and told his daddy 
what the boy, what his brothers was doing. And so there was ammonites between all them brothers and 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 well, you know, it was his favorite son because the Bible says that he was the father of his old age. And so he favored him. And so y'all, you remember the story how it come is they put him when he his father sent him after to check on them over there in Shishan, uh, to check on the sheep and the herd and see, bring them a report that they saw him coming. And they said, they first were going to kill him. But the other brother said, no, we're not going to kill him. We, we'll put him in this pit. But that very brother that said, we're not going to kill him, had to take his turn in herding the sheep. While he's away, they seen them Israelites coming. Said, let us sell him into slavery and so my soul what a, you're talking about a story filled with drama <laughs> now but you read this but what we have to do what paul told us to do is to see the symbols now look at the patterns and there's something here for us because i don't know of a passage of scripture linked together like it is that will show the destiny of a man. From 17 years old, God, I mean, from the foundation of the earth, God had a, a destiny for Joseph, just like he does for each and every one of us. But to know that destiny, he's going to have to pass some tests. And the very first test that you must pass is the pardon test. And I'm going to tell you what. If you don't pass this test, you'll never know your destiny. You, Joseph had to forgive them brothers, and he did. He had to get things right while he was in that pit. And so, and now he's, he's headed to Egypt, probably in chains, probably tied to a camel. I don't know, having to walk. But he's on his way down there. And I want to tell you what now, folks. He got a plan for Joe. He, he's eventually going to use this one man to save a nation. That's amazing to me. I tell you, providence of God, we need to. That's what makes me stand in awe of God is providence. How he puts things together without touching your free will. He's awesome. God is awesome. And so... So I, I want you to, now the message we're going to look at today uh, is what I call a palace test. Let's, let's continue to read. And the Lord, verse 2 now, is, is a tattletale sign. It says, and the Lord was with Joseph. I know he had done, he got things right with his brother. It says he was, he was a prosperous man. He was in the house of the master, master of the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Boy, ain't that good? When you write with God. He's going to bless you to your right, to your left, from above, from behind, in front of you. You're blessed when you walk with the Lord. And Joseph found grace in his sight. And he served him and made him overseer over his house. 
and all that he put into his hand. And it came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and over all the head that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. Now, I want to tell you something right there. Lord does that many times in Scripture. Uh, he blessed uh, Solomon because for David's sake. And that's over and over through the Scripture. And so if you live a life, say, for example, you serve God with all your heart, he'll bless your children for your sake. He'll do it. And so, and the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand. Now look at that. That word all means what it says. He said all. He knew that he, not all, that he had served the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person, well favored. And that's not the, that, that's not the only time that he said a goodly person. Matter of fact, Jochebed and his wife, when Moses was born, saw that he was a goodly child. God had planned a destiny for Moses, too. He's got a destiny for all. Let's pray. Father. Lord, we're going to talk about our lifestyle, and we're all to be stewards. Of all the stewards in the Bible, Lord Joseph was a good steward. And there's something here for us, but we're going to have to want it. We're going to have to want it more than we want silver or gold or hid treasure, great truths of God. And Lord, these tests, help us to be serious about these tests, these nine tests that Joseph took, we've got to take. Lord, if we're going to know our destiny, why we've put on this earth. And so, Lord, give us ears to hear will. Help us now, to, uh, Lord, to, to, to do business. Just tune out everything right now and focus in on God's Word. And Lord, and may we leave here with something in our heart, Lord, that make a difference in our lives. Help us, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, now, he's passed already the pardon test, the pride test, and the pit test. Now we're going into the palace test because he's in a palace, palace of a rich man, a high officer of the, of the Pharaoh, got a lot of power, and so he's a slave. And so we're going to look at his stewardship. Now, the first thing I need to say about the stewardship, I, I, I got to read some scripture. You, 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 no choice if you're going to be a good steward. There's several scriptures we got to look at, and so just lick your fingers if it ain't on the screen. First uh, Corinthians chapter 4. First Corinthians chapter 4, okay? First Corinthians chapter 4. <clears throat> I've got to get me a new Bible. These my pages stick together. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2. Well, let me, re let me read into it. Verse 1. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ. And everyone here today that's saved is a minister. 
some way or another to minister the needs of others. That's the only way I know how to serve God. It says, and stewards of the mysteries of God. So, now I'm going to tell you, stewardship is going to cover everything. Physical things and spiritual things. And so we want to be good stewards. It says in verse 2, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man may be found faithful. Oh, my soul. Do y'all hear that? I hope, it, I hope you feel the weight of that, that we as God's people must be found faithful. Faithful. Was Joseph faithful? Well, I mean, how did he get to be where he was at? Favored. And how he was promoted. And so, but when, you th when we start talking about stewardship, there's a lot of ingredients that comes into being a good steward. A lot of things. And so we're going to touch on a few of them this morning, okay? And so we've got to be found faithful. But I want to say this, offset and get it down and get it down good. We can't do anything good without Christ. Matter of fact, he says, you can do nothing without me. And you better get that down. So Christ is going to have to mean something to you. He's going, if he's your Savior, he's to be your Lord too. Okay? Lord of your affairs, Lord of everything. You know, your entertainment. Whatever it is, he's to be Lord. All right? And so, all right. All right, so, you know, when, when we start studying this life carefully, it's going to... We're going to see the divine providential workings in his life as we ought to be looking at the providential events in our life. There ain't no mistakes, accidents. Everything happens for a purpose and a reason, the Bible says. So, so it'll come into view, and this is why that, you know, that we need to take the message that God gives us home with us. And I want to encourage Hurricane Baptist Church to do that. Don't, just a few take notes here. But how are you going to remember on Tuesday if you don't make some kind of mental note? Because you're to take that message and don't let it fall by the wayside. Amen. On the parking lot, on the way home, and don't even remember on Monday what was God told you to do on Sunday. So learn to do that. It's not my message. It's God's message, okay? It's his message. So we're talking about stewardship. Now, now next passage of Scripture is Colossians chapter 3, if you would. Colossians chapter 3. We're looking how to be a better steward. I want to be a better steward. I, know, I hope you do, too. Because I, I, I'd come up short a lot, lot of times. Colossians chapter 3. Verse, let's start and. Well, let's start in verse 17. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed. Did you hear that now? Whatsoever you do. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks. And the Father of by him. Now here's going to come into a principle. Of all the things that we need to learn when we study this Bible, not just do's and don'ts. You know, 
The scripture says God showed his acts to Israel, but his ways he showed to Moses. And we want to know the ways of God. And, and so this Bible is really a book of principle, and here's one you've you got to learn. Listen, you've got to learn this principle. And here it is. Wives, submit yourself unto your own husband, and it is fit in the Lord. So there is a hierarchy. Jesus submitted to God. Man is to submit himself to Jesus. There's a hierarchy down. A wife is, and a husband is one flesh, and she's to submit herself to her husband. For Jesus' sake. I've heard some say he ain't worth submitting to. <laughs> Do it anyway. Did you know through your Jace conversation, if you got a husband that's a rascal or he's lost, that through your good stewardship and your attitude and your submissive, that you'll win him to the Lord, according to Peter, through your Chase conversation. So it's a powerful thing. Now, the word submit, it teaches that to be over difficulties in life, you're going to have to be under authority. You're going to have to have authority over you. And we're going to look at that in just a minute. I want to prove this principle to you this morning. We are to submit. You submit to yourself, to your boss man at work. And be a good employee. Whatever you do, you do what? With all your heart. You submit yourself to the laws. To every ordinance of man, the Bible says. And so we have to have respect for the law. And so we are to submit ourselves one to the other. One to another. All right? It's a principle that God looks at. Now listen, if he, fall, if he sees the fall of a sparrow, if he knows the hairs on your head, he, he knows your thoughts are far off. This is important, folks. This thing about being submissive. Was Joseph submissive? We see he was. Or he never wouldn't have got all these promotions that he got. Husbands, here we are. Now we're going to talk to the husbands. Husband, love your wife. And be not bitter against them. Matter of fact, over in Ephesians, it says, Love your wife as Christ loved the church. How much did Christ love the church, folks? He gave his life for it, he sacrificed. And so, a husband, now this is another sermon. I, I can't chase this very far because I get off what I want to say. But, but listen, folks, love your wives. Love your wives. Tell her, you know, a, a, a wife, she, she feels with her ear. All right? She likes to hear it. Honey, that was a good meal. Yeah, we, I love what you do with the children. Let her know. I'm telling you, there's a difference between a man and a woman. Now, a man, he, he feels with his eyes. He, he wants you to fix your hair pretty. Look good. Don't go stringing. You know, make yourself look decent. You know. Well, I'm all right. 
Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. And you want to have to teach your children to respect you. I heard Levi Griffin say over in the Sunday school lesson over in Lust years ago. He never forgot it. The greatest lesson that, uh, that you can teach your children is respect. If they don't respect you, they're not going to respect anyone else. They're not going to respect. I remember one year I drove a brand new school bus. Before that year was over, every seat on there had pencil holes in it and didn't respect property. They won't respect the law, they don't even respect themselves because you hadn't taught them respect. You must teach them respect. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Verse 22. Listen to this verse. Servants, and Joseph was a servant. Obey in all things your master according to the flesh, not with eye service, as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. Whatsoever you do, and we all going to do something, do it heartily as to the Lord, and not unto men. Knowing that the Lord, ye shall receive rewards of the inheritance for ye serve the Lord Christ. And so we are to submit for Jesus' sake. For Jesus' sake. Okay? All right. So that's putting others before yourself. Being when one member hurts, we hurt with you. We hurt with you. And we feel for you. And so... I need to stop right here just for a minute. And I didn't want to do this, but I need to do it. Because sometimes it's hard to submit you someone that said something that offended you. It's hard. I admit that. And I have, listen, I, I, I am preaching what I live through. I've been offended. Even as a preacher. I remember years ago, I'd take families all the way to Mobile to the hospital and back and forth. And then three months later, they stabbing me in the back. I've been offended. I've been offended. I, I'm telling you. And, and until, you know, so I, but I, God would let this happen. Maybe to show me that I hadn't crucified my flesh nature. You know? Because we take up that cross daily, right? We're to do it. And so, I, I want us to, I want to help you here, because sooner or later, somebody's going to pull your chain. Some, sooner or later, somebody's going to ring your bell. Now, sooner or later, you're going to, somebody's going to, you're going to be, have an offended spirit. And mine was offended. You know, and I, I, I act on impulse. I was an impulsive person back there at some time. You know, going along to be along, and. Somebody say something, man, that, I didn't like that. <laughs> and I, you know, especially trying to keep my conscience clean. So I want to read a couple, two verses of Scripture that, that will help you. You need to remember this now. 
You need to remember this because you're going to be offended sooner or later. Turn with me to Peter, 1 Peter. 1 Peter. This is one that I felt led. There's many scriptures, but this is one I, I want to. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 16. Everybody there? All right. Listen. Having a good conscience. Now, your conscience, so help me God. If God speaks to you, it's going to be to your conscience. But the Bible talks about a good conscience. The Bible talks about a worldly conscience, an evil conscience, a burned out conscience. Even that, what's going over there and killing them babies, that's burned out conscience. Hard, is seared with a hot iron. And so we're to keep our conscious. The Bible says keep your heart with all diligence. For out of the heart are the issues of life. Now if you want a good life, you're going to take care of that conscious. Having a good conscious, that's wherein they speak evil of you. And I got spoken evil of. I got accused of things that wasn't so. As evildoers, that they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation, my manner of conduct, in other words, that word conversation. But I got read that to get to verse 17. For it is better if the will of God be so that you suffer for well doing than for evil doing. Now look, folks, there's evil on this earth, a lot of it. (laughs) There's evil in every day. Two powers to be, good and evil. Only two powers on this earth. And you're going to, and God's given us a free will to yield to one or the other. Good or evil. And you do that, and I do that. We yield. And so there must be. God is going to test you because we as sheep, we are prone to wonder. We are prone to leave off our Bible study, get a little weak, and sure, boy, here comes the devil. He's going to throw something at you. Jesus said, take no thought of tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So there's going to be evil every day. Don't suffer for evil's sake. Don't let let somebody that offends you cause you, you to sin. Cause you to judge. Cause you to want to get revenge. Come on, folks. Now, look. Vengeance belongs to God. When you withdraw yourself, that's vengeance on your part. Or I ain't going to speak. I don't have nothing to do with it. Look, we all going to be offended sooner or later. It's how you react. How do you react to your trials, troubles? Oh, my soul, folks. So, so I, I want to I show you another verse. 
Turn to Galatians chapter 5, and we'll be done with that particular subject. Galatians chapter 5. This is a big one. This is the one that slew me right here. This is the one that helped me more than anything else when it comes to feeling, getting hurt or offended. You know, we've got to have the attitude, y'all. Here's the attitude that we're supposed to have. When someone does you wrong, we need to do like Jesus did. When he was in that process of going to the cross, and they were saying all, hailing all those names at him, throwing dirt on him and spitting on him and calling him names. And as they nailed him to the cross, what did Jesus say? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Can you say that? Why not say that? Say, well, so-and-so... He just don't, he ain't material as I am or whatever. He's, he's still learning. Pray for him. Don't, don't criticize him. Don't react the wrong way. Don't do it. If you're going to be a good steward of the things of God too, of his word, then you're going to have to learn how to forgive and then you're going to have to submit, to submit. Galatians chapter 5, and this is the one that slew me right here. If you would, let's begin in, uh, let's see, Galatians 5, 24. Let, let, I'm going to read into that. I, I, I got verse 24. Sometimes it's better just to read into a verse from above. Verse 22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit now, I want you to stop. I just said, don't say fruits. It says fruit, singular. And so it's got nine different flavors there. It says meekness, the, uh, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, temperance. Against such, there is no law. Now, if you... How many of y'all want that right there? You want this right here. Well, it's going to give you the key in the next verse, how to have this right here. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. Wait, wait, wait a minute. I, I skipped a verse. The main verse, verse 24. And they that are Christ have, have crucified the flesh. That's one thing, the flesh. We're, we, got, we, we got, we're flesh bodies. We're, we're body, soul, and spirit. But it says, and the affections. Do you know what your affections are? It's your feelings. The Bible says... If you want this love, peace, joy, and all these nine different fruits of the of flavors of the Spirit, you're going to have to crucify your feelings. What's crucified mean? It means dead. We're to die to ourselves. So a dead man ain't got no feelings, does he? No. <laughs> you go up there to the funeral home and touch a dead person, it, he ain't got no feelings. He's dead. And that's the way we are to our affections. Don't, don't worry your feelings right here on your cuff. 
Let them be crucified on the cross for Christ. Live for Christ. Walk in the Spirit. Every day. Whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. And so, folks, now i got another verse. We are talking about trying to be a good steward. Now I want to research this further. Turn to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. I, want y'all to, I hope you all marking these scriptures. I hope you'll take them home with you. And, and think about them this very week, okay? Matthew chapter 8. We're going to look at another ingredient here in stewardship. Matthew 8, uh, verse 5. Let's start with verse 5. And, and when Jesus entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeking him. Saying, Lord, my servant liveth, lieth at home, sick of palsy, and grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou should come under my roof. But speak the words only, and my servant shall be healed. Now, we're fit to get into something that it's, I want everyone here to understand. This thing about under and over. Okay? Under and over. It's a principle. For I am a man under authority. So this centurion officer has got a general or somebody over him. I'm under authority having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goeth, and another he uh, goeth, and to another cometh, and he cometh, and to my servant do this, and he doeth it. Now notice this next verse. I tell you, this overwhelms me. I, I want you to feel the gravity of this right here. Jesus, when Jesus heard it, he marveled. And said to them, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great a faith. No, not in Israel. Do y'all understand that verse right there? He understood about being submissive. He was faithful to the one who was over him. He submitted himself. And therefore he was a good steward over those that were under him. And he said, in other words, he recognized that Jesus was doing what he done, and he, he's done, he, he's heard what all that Jesus has done. Healing the blind and raising the dead and all the miracles that he done. He says, this man is of God. He's under God. And he compared himself the same way. I'm under authority. And look, you have authority. And I tell you what, <laughs> And when Jesus heard him, he always said, Verily I say you, I not found such a great faith in Israel. And so I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out of darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So you've got to be submissive. We've got to be submissive to the Lord. So there's a principle right there. I mean, a marvelous story right there. So, you know, here's the answer to be over 
And you're going to have a circumstance that you need to be over. I asked one person how they do. I said, how are you doing today? Well, according to the circumstances, yeah, I'm all right. Well, what are you doing under them circumstances? <laughs> We're already seated in heaven. <laughs> you know? Uh, so if you want to overcome. So, you know, it's, when you're walking in the Spirit, you've got the presence of God in your life. You're practicing the presence of God. You, you're living a purpose-driven life. You, you go about looking. The Bible says Jesus went about looking for looking. For someone he could help. We went out doing good, it says. He went about doing good. And that's what we ought to be doing. If everyone here, what think what what would happen if everybody in Hurricane Baptist Church woke up every day with a thought, who can I help today? Who can I pray for today? Who can I call? Who can I encourage? Who can I witness to? It's your thoughts when you make this commitment and you submit it to God. God said, I will establish your thoughts. And that's good. You won't be worldly thoughts, selfish thoughts, troubled thoughts. But your thoughts will be that way. And so will your affection be that way too. Set our affection on things that are above. Because this ain't home down here. We're going home. All right, I got one more verse I want to look at, and I'll be done. I want you to turn to Luke 16. Luke 16. Luke 16, and let's read verse 10. Here is another divine principle. And you can take it to the bank, too. You take this to the bank. Verse 10 says this. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also. In least is faithful, in, faithful also in much. But he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore you have not been faithful in the righteous, in the righteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Can God trust you with His power? How much can? How much do you trust God? Do you trust in ten cents on a dollar to pay your tithe and give an offering? Do you trust enough for God to give you the words to say to witness to someone if, if he lays it on your heart? Will he put words in your mouth? Can you trust God to do that? He said he would. He said he would. So, and verse 12, and if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, that's the stewardship, who shall give you that which is your own? I'm thinking about the life of Joseph. That Egyptian saw that he was a, goodly, a godly man. His mannerism, his submissive, the joy he's seen in his face. You know, you, you, you do cast a radiance. You remember the inquiring Greeks that come? They took note upon them that they had been with Jesus in his day. It'll show in your countenance. You don't have to go around like you've been 
sucking on a dill pickle. We've got something to be happy about. We've got a lot to be happy about. Be God conscious. Be God conscious, okay? All right. And so let, let's read on. No servant can serve two masters. That's good and evil now. For either he will hate one or love the other, or else he will hold to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You know, if you serve mammon, that means you fear mammon. Two powers of be, good and evil. And there is no neutrality between good and evil. We all gone. Jesus said, you, you, you're with me or against me. You're helping me or you're hindering me. You're gathering or you're scattering abroad. So don't fear man. Don't fear mammon. If you fear mammon, you're not going to fear God. That means you're scared. That, scared, that fear of man is cringing, protecting self. But when you're fearing God, you stand in awe of him, how holy he is, how good he is. That's a holy type fear. He's awesome. He's awesome. And so God help us to understand that. So, well, <clears throat> we can look and apply every one of these things to Joseph's life. That's why when we study the Old Testament stories, there's a pattern there. There's something there. As we examine the life, it's fulfilled in the New Testament. We see it. And so, are you a good steward? Do you want to be a good steward? It is required of a good steward to be found faithful. Are you faithful? I want to ask every wife here this morning. Would you be faithful if your husband was 50% faithful? You ain't going to stay with him, are you? Or vice versa. 100% faithful. All right? That's what God wants for. It's faithfulness. Amen. Obedience. Faithful to obey. And I'm telling y'all, look, you know, I'm going to tell you what I've done. I, I have seen some wonders in the world. You know, in nature, God knows, I tell you, I, I, I love, I, I don't, I, I, I love what God done. I enjoy nature. Now I'm not going to let. I love the one that created nature. More than I love nature. But I marvel at his creation. I, I do. I marvel. I, I remember years ago. I wish they'd bring that program back. It was a week series. About 20 years ago. On super nature. Was the name of it. And this, it amazed me. What in nature. For example, they took a, a bird, a cliff-dwelling bird out of a cliff in England. And they tagged it and brought it to America. And about four or five months later, that bird made it across 7,000 miles. Ain't nothing but the stars. I don't know what guided it. But he made it back to that cliff. And I think about that salmon goes 7,000 miles out there in the ocean, spend his life before it dies, it's going to find its way back to that very stream. I seen a spider that ballooned its tail, that it floated up in there, floated all the way up and got up in that jet stream and crossed over to another continent. And it drifted down, thawed out, 
and reproduce on another cat. I marvel at nature, and I, I took astrology in college. And we're doing our, our lab work at nighttime. And man, oh man, I tell you, I was just, it, it took my breath to look out there at Jupiter and see all those moons, I mean, magnified, powerful telescope. And looked at all them gases out there, burned out planets. I marvel. No wonder that the heavens declare the glory of God. It really, really does. But all them wonders. But I wonder, my wonder about God's providential working in His Word, His ways. That God is so awesome. He's good. He's good. And so I stand in awe of God. I am compelled. I'm constrained. I can't help it. I'm constrained to follow Jesus. And I hope you are too. I hope you sold out on it. I hope you are. But think about what if all of us would be good stewards of everything, you know. And do it as unto the Lord. Whatever you do, as unto the Lord. Do it for Jesus' sake. Love Jesus. You know, to us who believe, Jesus is precious. He's precious. 